0: Get out of my way, Mike. Just loop maybe, it up around maybe, the top. Maybe loop the, it up no, the top. I'm just gonna move it over here.
1: No, loop it over the top. It'll make less noise. Didn't I already have? was
0: not it already over here? Yeah, it was. I, and then you knocked it over. Didn't do anything. You almost knocked it over. Did nothing. Yeah, oh, you did. Oh, we well, yeah. need the whole stand. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm a bull in china shop. Hi, and welcome to. It's going to get stupid. My name is Jose. It's Richard. And this is your number one favorite pop culture podcast. Popcast. You know what, what if we had popcast? A popcast. What is a popcast? Is that that like a pop that socket. But like a cast? No, it's a popcast. Like a like a cast. Like, like if no, you break your arm, po- shoo, it has a thing. It's that a pop you culture podcast. Phone? A popcast. <laughs> did I just coin that term? I think I did. TM. <laughs> T-M, that means trademarked. Don't use it. But if you do use it, that's fine too, because I don't care. I like stuff. Hit that donate button. <laughs> Hit that donate button. Yeah, show us some love for the podcast. Anyway, so today we're going to do something a little different, okay? We, yep. we told you- 2018's all about this different. This is coming, and we're going to do what what I like to call a body of work. And what that is, is we're going to pick somebody, either a director, actor, video game series, you know, book series, whatever, something, and we're going to talk about everything- in that. Yep. So everything the person is directed, everything the person's acted in. Yeah. Um if it's a game series we're gonna talk about every game in the series. Yeah. And just go through it all and talk about it in detail and what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. So today the inaugural uh, body of work is gonna be on Christopher Nolan.
1: Dun, dun, dun. One of our
0: favorite directors. Yep. Um so he's done a lot of cool things and so we're what we're gonna do is we're basically going to go through each one of we're only talking about directed movies now. So we're gonna go through each one of his directed movies. Yeah, we're gonna start with the following. We're gonna start with the following. There's a couple before that, yeah. but I've never heard of them in my life. So yeah. um, we're gonna start with the following and we're gonna go on. If you have anything to add about any of their movies, let us know. You can let us know at it's going to get stupid at gmail.com through the emails. And on Twitter at IGTGS show. Or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid. Or on our
1: website, uh, www.itsgoingtogetstupid.com. to get All of our contact
0: information's on there. Yeah, let us know. Drop us a line. Say tell us what you think about Nolan's films. Yeah. So we're going to start, like Rick said, with the following. Yeah. Uh, the following is a 1998 British neo-noir. I'm just reading from Wikipedia, by the way, because I've never – number one, I've never seen this movie. Um, unless – you know what? I'll let Rick see the movie, so I'm going to let him talk about it.
1: Yeah. So the following – I actually saw this in, uh, in when I was in at the Art Institute of Houston in college, uh, if you can call it college. Uh,
0: anyways. Snap. Go in that shade <laughs> at Art Institute. Um, it was a long you time. you actually go to the Art Institute of Houston mm-hmm. – Sorry about that. You're going to a a good college. Sorry about you. (laughs) Uh,
1: Anyways, so I saw this in one of like our uh, video production classes and uh, they were showing us, you know, things that, you know, big directors, kind of where they started. And if I'm not mistaken, the following was actually one of Christopher Nolan's student films uh, that he started off with when he was in school. And I'll read the synopsis to you. A young writer who follows strangers for material meets a thief who takes him under his wing. So
0: that sounds awesome
1: yeah so the premise of the story is you know uh the main character is kind of stalking people because he just he kind of follows people to like get different ideas and he's he's basically a people watcher right um and he ends up he ends up seeing this thief and just becomes kind of obsessed with him and starts like zero in on him and it takes his life down a path that he shouldn't probably go down and it's because of this obsession he has with watching people. And anyways, it's, it's a really good story. I don't remember a ton about it because I saw it a long time ago. I've had two kids since then. Um, and don't sleep very much, but it's all black and white. It's, it's a short, it's a short movie, but it, you can definitely see like if you, if you get a chance to watch it, go back and watch it. Seeing Christopher Nolan now, like what he's done, Memento, the dark Knight series, um, interstellar, uh, all these uh, and Dunkirk, like all these different things. You can go back to the student film and see where that all kind of began. You know, I know that there was a couple movies before that, but like I said, we're starting with the following cause it was kind of like his first big kind of production that kind of got some notoriety, but you can see a lot of the director he was going to become in this movie. It was shot really well. It had, you know, the, the thematic elements that kind of, that he keeps throughout every movie and it's just done really well. It for a student film it's it's quite good.
0: Did it have horns? Uh I'm pretty sure it did. It wasn't um it wasn't hand zimmered. <laughs> it wasn't zimmer was not on I
1: don't think he was a uh, in that caliber yet.
0: <laughs> <following>. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw the I saw like the trailer for this movie. I really wanted to check it out, especially after seeing the next movie we're gonna talk about Zomento Memento. Yeah. Um, but after seeing that it was like a it was like on the D V D for like here's another film by Chris Nolan Right. It just looked really interesting. And it kind of reminded me, I mean, in a way of Pi. Have you ever seen Pi? That's a yeah. what's his movie. Um which I really enjoyed it, and you know, I'm not really big into art house movies. Or like shorts, or you know, you know, just art, arty, and movies. that is
1: an art house movie.
0: I know it really <laughs> is, and I'm not that big into it, but I I feel like this was like a, a shorter film that was a student. I'm not into art student films, how about that? Yeah, and that was definitely an art student film. And, Pie, yes, yeah, 100%. Uh, actually, all of most all of Darren Aronoff's children are. We're not talking about that guy, we're talking about Christopher Nolan right now, darn it. Um, so yeah, I really wanted to see it, it looked really interesting, yeah. Um, so let's move along. So if you want to see it, you could. Um, now we want to talk about. Memento. So this was the big release. Yeah. That was his first, you know, wide release movie. But this is the one that garnered the most attention and kind of thrust him into the spotlight. Yeah. Um, So if you've never seen Memento, it stars Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, Joe Pants. I call him Joey Pants. Um, And we talked about this on one of the episodes. I think like one of the first couple episodes because I had watched it. I'd recently rewatched it. And you asked, you'd asked me like, did it hold up? And interestingly enough, it does because the concept is so good. Um, so basically it's about this guy, Guy Pierce Plays, who has short-term memory loss. Yep. So he can only remember the last 20 minutes of his life, basically. Everything after a certain point where the trauma happened, he cannot make new memories at all. Um, he remembers everything else before the, the accident, but anything new he can't remember. And so he's trying to solve his, the, his wife was murdered. So he's trying to solve the case on his own. And so he's following all these leads and doing all these things. He's tattooing things on his body. He's writing himself notes. He takes pictures. He tries to do all these things. Um, But the way that Nolan tells the story is actually in reverse. Yeah. And in Ford at the same time. So that's the coolest thing is like they show a little scene and then it shows you how they got to that scene. Right. Every time. Right. And um, so if you were to play it the normal way, it would just be a normal movie about a guy looking for... It'd be an a, episode of like yeah. Law and Order. Yeah. But right. It, but the way that he does it and cuts it, it, it changes the tension in the movie because you know things that the character does not know right but you know it now because you saw how it led up to that you're yeah. like oh wait oh that's how they got there oh no how are they going to get here because you see where it starts you're like how did they get there wait a yeah. minute i'm confused and you're following the breadcrumbs that the main character exactly
1: left on his body as he's as he's trying to find him it, it's really interesting because like the amount of tattoos that he has uh diminishes as the story goes on yes you know because he's Cause you he, know, he's has all the notes on his body at the beginning of the movie. And then you're finding his way back towards the beginning. You're following those breadcrumbs. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting concept.
0: And there's also a forward storyline that's going on where he's on the phone with somebody. Right. Um, and that's that. going and that, but that takes, it takes point at a certain time in between the story that we're listening, they're watching. And, and it's just, it, it, the thing I talked about before I really liked is that, Everyone, including himself, is manipulating the situation yeah. in different ways for different reasons, and it's so interesting to see that in the way that um, Nolan pierced that together. It was like a just a ingenious shot movie, and it, one in a like you can't have another movie like it. No, you that's really the coolest can't. thing. It's like once it's done, it's done. Right, and if you do it again, I mean, you're just copying memento. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so I know that some people don't don't really like this movie, and I'm pretty sure they don't like it because it's confusing.
1: It it, it can is be, it can be confusing. It is confusing. It, I think there was a comedian that brought this up. Uh, might have been Chris D'Elia, but he was just basically like, you know, if you if you watch it from the ending to the beginning, you just got like a very linear story. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of frustrating, too. But the way it was presented, it adds that that mystique to how he tells stories, like how, you know, just how he keeps you guessing
0: and and just manipulates how you're interpreting the story on its own. So, you know, and, and, and it's kind of hard to talk about directors without mentioning other directors, of yeah. course. So I think about Tarantino uh, and the way that he plays with time. Yeah. Right. Nolan doesn't necessarily just play with time. He plays with reality. Right. And that's really interesting because we're getting to some other movies, of course, that really, he, he not only does he mess with just time itself, but he messes with reality itself right. and perception of that reality. And that's what a lot of his movies are about. Honestly, right. even the Batman films, right? They're... The perception of the person that's that's the main character of the story, yeah. But then the perception of everybody else and how they're manipulating the scene, how they're manipulating reality to fit themselves. And he talks; it goes through a lot of those themes in his movies, and that's what I think makes him interesting because. I like it, like, you know, last last episode we talked about Del Toro and how he puts himself on the screen. You can see that. With Nolan films, I can see him on the screen. Right. And just the way that he likes playing with 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 reality and that. You can see his hands at work. Yeah, you can definitely see his hands at work. Yeah. So I, I really I really like that. And so I love *Memento*. man. It's such a good movie. I don't, like a repeated watching movie, I don't know if Nolan's a, other than maybe the Batman movies and a couple of them, like you couldn't just watch them over and over again. I would again. say Inception is, is a repeat watcher. Like, but all the time, though. No, all the time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because yeah, like, yeah. there's some movies yeah. where you can just like, you know, let me think. Scott Pilgrim, like I watch it yeah. anytime it's on. I could just watch it. Yeah. Inception, it'd have to be like it has to be some time away from it. In between it. it, yeah, because it's it's there's a lot of deep themes in that, and a lot of the other thing I like about the other thing I like about Nolan, especially started with this film, and I don't know if following had the same thing, but his endings are very open ended. Yeah,
1: I believe it. I believe
0: it does. It's been a yeah. long time since I've seen it. But I
1: I believe it does. I mean, it wouldn't be a Nolan film without it being an open ending.
0: And so, like, I don't want to spoil any of these films because they're really great films, but there's an open ending here of, like, what is really going on. And then he's messing with our perception of reality because we don't actually know what's really going on in this movie. And we don't, I'm just spoiled, we don't find out what's actually going on. You find some truth things, but what's really happening and what's, he kind of alludes to things and he kind of lets the viewer figure it out on their own. Like, what is really going on? What's reality? you know, wh- why are these characters doing what they're doing? Right. So I really like that. And Memento kind of started that out for me. That's next, one of, that's the first bus uh, movie I watched.
1: The next movie on the list is insomnia. And I've actually never seen this movie. I've heard it's really good. Um, but yeah, I've never actually
0: seen it, but Jose has, I have. So um, insomnia came out uh, in 2002 and it stars Al Pacino and Robin Williams and Hillary Swank. So these are two detectives that are investigating a murder in an Alaskan town. So um, and it's a remake of a Norwegian film. Uh, but from what I remember this movie, um, what's his name? Uh, Robin Williams plays a creepy dude <laughs> for the first, like one of the first times I've ever seen him be a creepy guy and Al Pacino's chasing after him. And it plays with the whole light and dark of, of, um, of, uh, Alaska, like the, the time change of Alaska, you know, like there's, there's periods of darkness and periods yeah. of light and so that plays with your mind. Uh, but it's just a really, really good like, crime drama movie. But then again, it still plays with the reality and who's good and who's bad and what's really going on in this scene. Right. Um, so I I, I like the movie, but I hadn't seen it in a very long time either. I really enjoyed the film, though. Um, do you remember anything about the trailer? Or... No, not really. Yeah.
1: Not really. It was, it was one of those where I wasn't really into watching a lot of like deep movies at the time <laughs> of my life and uh it kind of kind of slept on it but it's one of those things where i probably need to go back and and check out
0: yeah no and i think i think the cool thing about this is um you know i've never seen like i like seeing if it's a remake i like seeing the original even if it's a foreign film but Mm -hmm. i've never seen the original insomnia but i've heard that it's not just a retake of this movie okay it's actually kind of like a reimagining that that nolan would do um so uh and here's Here's uh, here's the director of the original film talking about Nolan. He says, I haven't seen it for quite a while, like me. But when you first saw it, it was a very strange experience because it was very quite close to the original. I felt lucky that it was so well-crafted. The smart film had really good director handling it because as a remake, I think it did really well and didn't hurt the original if a remake is done well. And that's true. If a remake is done well, it's close enough to where you can see it. So an example of this would probably be, um, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but um, Let Me In? Mm. No. I thought that was you don't think so. No. I thought it was close enough that it was good, but then separate it was its own. Nope. No. Okay. Whatever. No. Go and go
1: if you if you want to see Let Me In, go see the original Swedish version of the movie. I thought, it they're, is bo- by, thought they're both really good. By far superior. Both the really the good. problem I had with the remake is that it it, uh, fed into, um, it fed into American horror, like some of the the visual aspects of it, and. I really liked how they handled some of the some of the more horrific scenes in the Swedish in the original version of it. And I thought it, it was more it was more artful and it wasn't as um, it wasn't pandering to American audiences. And I felt like the remake just that's all it did. It took this story. All it did. It had moments of it for sure. It, well, maybe the moments were enough to just ruin it for me.
0: I liked it. Yeah. I think it was the same. I think it's the same as this, but whatever. No, go see the Swedish version okay so the next one we'll move along off insomnia we both haven't really watched a long time
1: (laughs) well and and this in in this so there's a couple things i want to say about the next movie we're going to talk about because we're going to talk about three movies yes actually because it's it's the trilogy it's the trilogy of all trilogies it's batman begins the dark knight and the dark knight rises and one thing that i did not realize um was that in between these three movies comes out Two of his best movies. Yeah. You have The Prestige, which comes out after Batman Begins, and then right after The Dark Knight,
0: you have Inception. So we'll talk about those after we talk about yeah. these three. I just feel like you can't talk about just one. You have to talk about right. all of them together and spend a lot of time talking right. about them. Um, so this was, so the first movie, Batman Begins, and this is at a time when the last Batman movie, I remember when this movie was coming, it was 2005, yeah. and the last Batman movie that came out was Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. which was terrible yeah and i had barely real bad. bat nipples anyway, yeah <laughs> bat credit card and bat nipples so at that point batman had become a joke yes in movies yeah and so when i heard they were making a new batman i was like uh, why are they doing that right right and it was also weird for christopher nolan to take up yeah take take well, that was, baton you got this one director who's done these these pre-trippy movies yeah doing this i'm like okay we'll see what he's going to do with it because at this point he hadn't made prestige or inception inception Um, But he was the memento director for me. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, And so the way that his take on Batman in the first movie, while I didn't like some of the plot choices. Of how they're doing stuff. um, I I liked his take on Bruce Wayne becoming Batman, like what his motivation was. Yeah. and again, still kind of playing with a, a superhero that plays around with reality. Yeah. Like, who am I? What is Batman? What does it mean? It's Who's a the real person? Yeah, exactly. And the perception of that reality. What's Batman? What's Bruce Wayne's perception of his reality? Who is he really? Yeah. You know, in his identity. Um, and so it starts out with, you know, again, his, Batman's parents getting murdered. Spoiler. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Um, if you've seen a Batman movie, you've seen his parents get murdered. But uh you know, Bruce Wayne goes on a he fight they, they a vision find quest. out who his uh whose parents' murder is. Yeah. He goes to try to kill him, and uh, gets accosted by the Carmine Falcone. Yep. And uh goes on a vision quest. Yeah, it just kind of leaves yeah. leaves Gotham and goes around the world trying to figure out crime. And I like that I liked that aspect. He's trying yeah. to get in the mind of criminals, like why would they do this? And he just pours his life into figuring out why these people be criminals. He joins the League of Shadows, yep. which is actually the League of Assassins, but they didn't want to say Assassins, meets Ra's Ghoul and played by Liam Neeson. Yeah, um, fantastic. Well, spoiler. Anyway, <laughs> if you didn't know that, if you haven't seen Batman Begins, I'm sorry. Yeah, why are you listening to this podcast? Done, okay? So he meets Ra's al Ghul, played by Liam Neeson, and... Um, you know, ultimately rejects their idea of justice. Yeah, because it's it includes murder. Yeah, includes you know. There's no an, limit re, to it. It includes enacting the justice and in, in full. You know, right. yeah, there's no limit to their justice. Right. Um. And so I just I thought that was really that part was great. Yeah. When he came back and was Batman, that was good too. Up until the end, it's just it kind of lost steam for me. Yeah. A with bit the up. train and the 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 plot against it was a it. good
1: scene. Like it was <clears throat> it was visually uh done really well oh, gorgeous film
0: but it was just it kind of wrapped itself up in a nice little bow and i like i like his his the way that he made the villains real like scarecrow yeah jonathan crates man just uh cillian murphy or killing C- murphy. C- murphy yeah amazing job as scarecrow and so I, yeah. I think that started his actor select, so like, like his picking his actors mm-hmm. very interestingly yeah. right because i wouldn't have thought that would be a great jonathan crane um, Katie Holmes didn't think she'd be a great, you know, whatever in the movie. Like, Rachel, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and she wasn't. Um, she wasn't. But it's okay, right? Yeah. Um, Liam Neeson being Rachel ghoul I, I did not think that was. I did not think that was going to work out, and, and it, it was, worked out really well. And it was a plot twist because yeah. you didn't know that he was. You just knew yeah. that he was Liam Neeson. He was the League of Shadows guy. Right. Um, but that was that was really good too. I liked that. Uh, and then Michael kane being Alfred was great. Yeah. It was just a Great, great Alfred. Um so that's what kicked the series off and it, it really kind of reinvigorated Batman yep. and made Batman serious. Yep. And grounded in some sort of reality. Not full reality, but wasn't s- fantastical. Well, because you look at Schumacher and, and even to an extent Burton's Batman, yeah, and Burton's Batman was just gothic and dark. Yep. And reality kind of ish, but still kind of goofy. Yep. Like hard right? Yeah, there's a little whimsy there. Um, especially the second one with the ducks and the they, they make fun of it in Justice League, yeah. right? Um, so that was kind of... And then you go to Schumacher who's went over the top, Whimsy, yeah. and everything's just bright, Had to issue colorful. An apology. Huh? Had to yeah, issue an apology. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, he just went crazy with it yeah. and just really kind of made Batman a joke. And so here he is bringing it, grounding it in reality, setting the stage for the second movie. Right. Which is... Uh, the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. So tell us about The Dark Knight. Right? So The
1: Dark Knight, I mean... I think the, the big standout one here is Heath Ledger's performance, right? You have Heath Ledger and you have, um, uh, what's his face playing two face
0: Aaron Eckhart. Yes.
1: Uh, which I thought he did a great job as two face. Oh yeah. Um, I kind of wish there had been more uh, of that, of that story cause I like the two face story. Uh, the, I like the character or like what he does in the comic books, but I mean, I think Heath Ledger's performance just kind of stole the show. And ruined all like Joker for everyone, everyone to ever take that mantle on again, um, because the current Joker that we have, Cholo Joker, Jolo Joker, Jolo Joker. Uh, shouldn't exist. <laughs> it is a
0: shame to the character. I, uh, you know, I think someone could do do a great job as Joker. Yeah, no, no I don't. I don't think anybody will ever do that. I well. think there needs to be more time taken away
1: from Heath Ledger's performance. I think Heath Ledger just. He he just he created this uh, uh, interpretation of the Joker character and made it just something that we hadn't seen before. That's Some, true. Something that we hadn't but, really experienced as a again, villain. You
0: could also say that uh, Cholo Joker is also a Joker you've never seen before, and there's never a good wanted reason to why. Never want to see it. Yeah, we never wanted <laughs> anyway, to see it. Yeah, but no. I, so, what was your reaction when you first heard that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker? Uh, all I thought of was a night's
1: tale and i didn't i was like, Ugh, like that's not gonna be good
0: well i wonder, I wonder if he was in uh 10 things i hated about you yeah before that
1: yeah I, I i didn't really know what to expect um didn't didn't he do the the broke, western the brokeback Cow- mountain yeah
0: brokeback mountain before that too i think he had just done brokeback yeah. mountain actually and i was like interesting choice yeah. <laughs> because i mean so i broke back mountain was a great movie yeah and yeah I disagree. I liked Brokeback Mountain. I did. I just I thought it was a a a, a film, a no, good film. We're we're not gonna talk about that movie.
1: I didn't I didn't really care for it. I, I didn't can't quit you. <laughs> uh I
0: there was no redeemable like factor in a lot of this. Oh, characters. they were all terrible. they were yeah, all terrible, terrible people. people. But but so were the people in the notebook. <laughs> anyway. We already talked about that. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um but no, I think Keith Ledger's performance just
1: really stole the show. Uh, it was a great villain. Um, you know, there's that scene or that line where he's like, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. And I felt like that was a great interpretation of the Joker character.
0: I, I, the, the thing that cemented it was when he was talking to two face, uh, Harvey before he became two face or when he was in the hospital and he's, you know, and he's like, He's like, man, everybody's got plans. What do you, I'm just like a dog chasing the yeah. car. I wouldn't even know what to do with it if I yeah. got one. And it was interesting because you're thinking, well, how did he do all this stuff if he didn't know it was going to happen? Then you realize the Joker's just doing stuff. Yeah. He's just doing things. And
1: that opening scene with the bank robbery, like oh, they're like.
0: It so good. Like I can watch that over it. and yeah. over and over again. It's just such a good opening yeah. scene.
1: And the pencil scene. I mean, everything about it is just um, it's just done really well. And it's one of those movies where the the villain really took over. Um, it, 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 there's a brighter light shined shine on the villain. I'm not sure the well, reason that. What right. you
0: see though is you see that there's shined, shown. It, it, he's sheen. not. He's not. A, he's not a secondary character. Right. He there. It's like it's like they're almost two main actors. Right. and Two main you know stars and and it is right. There's Joker and Batman. Yeah. They're one and the same, but different sides of the. They're they're on the same coin, but different sides of the coin kind yeah. of thing. Right. Um, and in Joker, that interrogation scene where Joker's explaining things is so good because he's like, you changed things and now you've created me. Right. You know, and it's kind of like the thing with the light and dark of the Jedi, right? Yeah. There's, there's this thing that is fundamentally opposed to Batman. Right. And he is the almost opposite of Batman in, in a lot of ways. And, but he understands that he needs Batman to survive. Right. Because if he didn't have someone going against him, he would probably implode right. or just take, you know. Well, it's just...
1: the same thing. Like, if Batman doesn't have villains, he eventually becomes a villain.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And if
1: Joker doesn't have a, a Batman, then he stops having gets, a reason to be the Joker. He gets bored. Yeah. I right.
0: Or he, he, he implodes and just kind of yeah. self destructs. Yeah. Um. And I like I like that play that playfulness of understanding who this bat who is Batman. Yeah. Why is this character there? And that, that line that I got wrong, and I couldn't remember from Aaron Eckhart, which was. You either um, die a hero or, or, or live, long live long enough, enough to see be the yourself villain. to be the, to become yeah. the villain, um, which is a good thing. It's just exactly what Batman is going to do, yeah. right? And it's what what happens to Batman anyway, right? He becomes right. the villain because he has to be. Right. Um, and this whole thing about what is a hero and what makes a hero. Yeah. And what does a hero do to protect people and what does that look like? And sometimes it doesn't look like what we think a hero is. Sometimes it looks like what, you know, Maybe it's a lie, right? To protect people. And the ending of it too. I mean, uh, sorry guys, you know, spoiler. It's for been Dark out Knight. for a few years.
1: The ending of it too, where Batman runs off, kind of in the into the shadows, like trying to like go in hiding. um I thought was great. Like mm-hmm. it just oh, yeah. it was it was a good ending to this chapter of
0: the story that Nolan was trying to tell. um So yeah, I mean, it was a great. Was like as far as a sequel goes. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing sequel yeah. to a movie, and some might argue, well, Dark, you know, Batman against wasn't a great movie to begin with, and all this. It doesn't matter when you yeah. make a sequel to a, a crappy movie, even right? Yeah, it doesn't mean it's going to be good. It should be even crappier, right? right? But this one was just like, what I remember saying it when this came out. I was and I watched it a couple of times. I was like, this isn't just a good superhero movie. This is a good movie. Period. Right. It's this this was like movie. this was like a. Um uh, crime drama. Yeah. Almost with Batman. In. Yeah. In fact, some would say, and I would probably say if there was less Batman in this movie, okay. it would be even better. Yeah. But you can't because you need Joker. And, yeah. it, and the Batman scenes weren't that bad. It's just yeah. his voice got really grovelly.
1: Yeah. I mean, Christian Bale, like whatever. But I blame seem. Christian Bale for that. Not, yeah. not Nolan. I mean, you know, yeah, he was a good Batman. He was a, he was a Where great, are they? he was a great Bruce Wayne. He, he was, was a, a great Bruce Wayne. Great Bruce Wayne. He was an okay Batman. He was an okay Batman. Um,
0: yeah yeah but i mean um
1: the story being told was 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 good was and great. i think this i think this goes back to one of our earlier points in one of the other episodes is where the story that is being told overshadows any of the mistakes that yeah uh, that get made by the actors or by creative decisions i mean the gravelly voice i can't stand but because of how well the story is being told from the Joker's perspective, from Batman's perspective, you know, Gotham City, all these different parts of it, like, you know, the citizens of Gotham City when they're on the boats waiting to see if it's their yeah. boat that's going to that get great, detonated. I mean, it's just so many great scenes. I mean, scenes there's and... just so much, so many good parts to it. You know, there's um, uh, Snyder. Snyder does, a Zack Snyder does this thing where every scene is kind of its own movie. Yeah. Right? Like the beginning and ending of that scene is a movie. Or is a is its own story, right? I feel like Nolan kind of does that too in some respects, but he's so much better at bringing them all together yeah. to fit this this one ultimate goal. Like it's like this
0: isn't yeah, like this moment is intense and can stand alone and right. it's on its own and it's it's a mini movie to, right. like you're saying. But you're right, he puts it all together to where it's cohesive and, and which makes it makes a greater impact on right. us. Which is why these movies, that's why these movies are so good. Yeah. Um, so then we go into the third movie. Um, of the batman trilogy which is dark knight rises yes did you forget about me (laughs) no um with bane this trilogy's (laughs) opening i'm actually a good villain but i was overshadowed (laughs) anyway um so dark knight rises came out and i was like pumped to see this movie man because bane for me it needed a redemption from Batman and Robin.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the thing about Bane, if, if you're not a fan of the comics, is Bane is intelligent. He's oh, yeah. he's a he's gigantic, he's huge, but he's he's this he's like a he's rede- also
0: Hispanic guys, but whatever.
1: <laughs> but he's a genius. Like he's genius level bad guy, right? And what uh, Schumacher did was make him into this mindless muscle, muscle bound drone that poison ivy could control right and didn't have any line just grunted basically the entire time but the what what uh, nolan did with bane i felt like was make him into that maniacal genius that that he was um and there's just so many good scenes to this and you got to give it up for tom hardy oh hardy did a great job
0: man who
1: put on so much muscle and like mass to his body Um, him and Christian Bale are both known for like dramatically changing how they physically look in order to meet the role. I mean, I think after Batman begins, Bale did the machinist. um, Yeah. Which he went like, he went from being, you know, solid muscle to basically skin and bone and then back to solid muscle again. And Tom Hardy kind of did a similar thing uh, when he became Bane and Bane alone in this movie. I mean, it's, it's not executed perfectly. But
0: no, I feel
1: I feel like Bane would have been they should have shifted more focus
0: on Bane. This movie could have been so much better if they did a similar thing with The Joker. Yeah. Where it was a pitting of two because that's what Batman that's what it is, right? Yeah. It's it's I'm against two, you know, it's two intelligent, yeah, strong people yeah. that are gonna battle it out not just by fighting. But with, with their wits, wits yeah. and with the way they do things and, you know, the villain's going to be once... Because I think Joker was one step ahead of Batman right. and Bane was one step ahead of him too. So it was going in a good area. Yeah. And then you throw in Catwoman. Was, was, I liked it. Two separate movies. Yeah. They were two... And then to have Bane overshadowed at the end yeah. by Talia Al Ghul. Yeah. Spoiler. If you haven't seen this movie either. <laughs> sorry. Um... We're just to let you know, like we're we're halfway through this, but we're gonna spoil all these movies yeah. probably. I don't even know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, definitely gonna spoil Interstellar. Um, but
1: that yeah, was Inception. that was
0: that was such a downer for me, man. Yeah. I was so disappointed because I liked Tom Hardy's Bane, and I really liked Bane as a villain. Yeah, and he was just really killing it for me yeah. the whole time. And then first off, he dies by um, did he, did he getting shot by didn't 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 Catwoman run him over? No, did she shoot him? she uh, shot him
1: no they disconnected his mask didn't they
0: I don't know it was see I don't even care it was I, don't even, it was I don't even care because it ruined everything for me and yeah. it wasn't a good fitting end I feel like Batman should have came back and beat him up yeah plain and simple right he yeah. should have fought him and beat him I, mean, I think that's what he did maybe punch him a couple times yeah. but there was just too too many errors in this film yeah. for me to really enjoy it as much and it's hard to live up to the Dark Knight hype that's another yeah. thing that's another problem this movie had 100% um, I, I don't think it was as bad as everyone would say it could be is actually a very competent good film mm-hmm. better than batman begins honestly yes um had a r- lot of good scenes in it what what i do wish they would have capitalized on
1: and i get why nolan didn't want to do this i mean he was only doing it for the trilogy and then he was out but i do wish that um, robin would have yeah. like it would have gone into a nightwing series um because at, at the end of at the end of this movie you find out that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character who was just playing a Blake. police officer Robin um, Blake yeah his, his first name is Robin and then he fi- he gets access to the Batcave because Batman kind of <sighs> passes that torch onto him I really wish that would have become
0: like gone into some sort of Nightwing series yeah but it was, it was no, I mean it would have been something I know I, I know Yeah, I just, some of this, the things just didn't add up for me in this movie. It it sucked because it was a really, it could have been so much better. It really could have. But you could still see Nolan's influence. But I think part of this too was this is the third movie in this trilogy, man. And you get, you can't expect to hit it out of the park every time. I mean, look at uh, Sam Raimi. Raimi. I know we're going to talk about Sam Raimi. Spider Man 3. But I feel like Sam Raimi did it on purpose. Oh, yeah, he 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 totally didn't didn't want to make any more movies. This was the last Nolan film that he was going to make it. And so in a way I kind of, it's weird because I don't respect some directors for this, but I respect Nolan for it. He made it his own. He said, I'm going to do it this way. And this is the way I want it to end. I don't like that. Batman went off into the sunset with Catwoman, potentially whatever that is. Maybe it's it's a dream sequence or something, but I don't think it is. I think he, he ended up being rid of the Batman character. And that's what he was kind of going for the whole time through this. Right. He's like, this was something he's going to temporarily do yep. to save Gotham and then he's going to be able to get out yep. and he couldn't get out and it became an addiction for him. And so, you know, that whole theme running through the three movies is really good and really strong. It goes in line with Batman becoming the villain exactly. if he doesn't have anything else to do. Exactly. And so I don't like that Batman quit being Batman at the beginning of yeah. the movie. So there's some things I just didn't like about it, but overall it was, it was a pretty solid film. Definitely a Nolan film. Yeah. Um, and well done. Yes. Yeah, 100% agree So the, I, I really enjoyed The, the Dark Knight trilogy yeah. <laughs> I think Nolan did a great job With Batman A phenomenal job And just kind of showed us What superhero movies could be Yeah Right And I think everybody's had to Step their game up Because of it honestly Yeah I really, I really do So Even though DC, DC Which I mean
1: Nolan did stay on To be executive <coughs> producer For a few of those movies But we won't hold that against him Anyways It only do so much The next movie On this list Is The Prestige and I feel like this is kind of an outlier in in his realm of work because it's more of a uh, a period piece.
0: It, yeah, but it still plays with. I mean, it still it plays, plays with, with all the with same elements. The same elements. Yeah, he, I, and it's yeah, it's not like because everything else is modern. Well, modern future. Right? Yeah. So if you could say the
1: future is a period piece
0: too. If you've but. <laughs> never seen, yeah, right. If you've never seen The Prestige, it is about two rival magicians. Yes, in illusion. I'm sorry. Not magicians, illusionists. There was a movie
1: that came out at the exact same time, also called The Illusionist.
0: You can watch that. I, I like Delusion of Songs. It's okay. It was, it was not as good The problem is, Prestige came at the same time. And, and it Prestige just blew it amazing. out of the water. Uh, Michael Caine, you have um, uh, Wolverine, Hugh Jackman. Yep. And then you have uh, Nolan. I'm um, not Nolan so Yeah, you, Nolan. You also have uh, Christian Bale. Uh, Christian Bale again. Also and Scarlett Dav- Johansson. And
1: David Bowie as Nikolai David, Tesla.
0: That's, that should be a, Look, guys, <laughs> that should be admission <laughs> enough to watch this movie. Yeah. I am not going to spoil this movie at all because no. it has a good twist. And I do not want to spoil it. I
1: think we can we can probably talk about this one pretty fast just because it, it, it's a great twist. And this was one of those those Nolan movies where you're just like, you get towards the end and you
0: just see everything like come sweeping in again. I had and no idea this is what was going on. Like what the... I had no, no. idea. It, it blindsided me yeah. so quickly. And when I finally saw it all put together, I was like, wow. And even when you think it's done... It's not done. It's now. not done. It's not done. And... I mean, maybe that's kind of spoiling it, but anyways... No, no, not at all. Um, so the basic premise of this movie is is that Hugh Jackman's character is, um, is upset with Christian Bale's character because they were in an act together, and Christian Bale was always trying to push boundaries in magic, yep. trying to push boundaries in illusions. And his wife, uh, Hugh Jackman's character at the time, his wife, was the damsel in distress in the yeah. tank. And so... Um, Christian Bale couldn't remember what kind of knot he tied, but she wanted to go along with doing a more difficult trick. And so he tied some kind of knot and she couldn't get out and she died. She drowned to death. And so he held that against him the whole time. And he'd always ask him, what knot did you tie? Mm -hmm. And so they they had this long running history of sabotaging each other's shows and doing all this stuff. And just, you know, and as um, uh, Christian Bale's trying to push the boundaries of this this magic act and this illusion act. Uh, Hugh Jackman's on this mad rush and it's told from like after the fact. Yeah. Like he's telling the story of their their history together um, through, through his what He's reading Christian Bale's characters' uh, Diary. Journals, yeah. Journals, yeah. yeah. So he's seeing the history behind it and yeah. it's really, it's just a really beautiful, yeah. well done movie that plays with reality so much and, and manipulations of, this, of uh, everybody's motive. And
1: they're the same characters but they're kind of going at this ultimate goal In different ways. Hugh Jackman's character is all about the theatrics and going Mm -hmm. really big and going, they both want to create this, this one magic trick that no one else can create. Um, And do it the best way. And and do it the best way. Right. They they want to, they want that to be their legacy. Basically to do this one trick um, that everyone will be talking about forever. Right. Hugh Jackman's character is all about theatrics, finding the, he's about blowing as much money as he can in order to, to, to figure this thing out, which is where Tesla comes in. And then you have Christian. David Bowie as Tesla is, is am, fantastic. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Uh, and then you have Christian Bale's character who is all about just like the skill. The, the skill and being the, raw about it and yeah. just and just doing what it takes to get the job done and but not being flashy about it. Um, and you know, there's something I really want to talk about, but I won't talk about yeah. it uh, because of the dedication that it alludes to, like how dedicated he he was to performing this trick and in essence he ends up performing the trick without performing the trick yes right
0: okay yeah so anyways watch the prestige it's a great movie it's a phenomenal film yeah I and mean, honestly like my, my wife had not Julie had not watched it recently and at all and I had her watch it with me and she was like that was a really really good movie I was like yep. it tricks you for a trip man and again he's playing with reality uh, Nolan just does a masterful job yeah of of uh keeping you guessing and keeping you wondering and while building this mystery the whole time, and building these characters up, great, great character development. You know, you're very sympathetic to both of these guys. Right. at the end of it, in the people in their secondary characters. That's another thing. So you can be sympathetic to the main characters because they spend a lot of time on them. But I was sympathetic to uh, Christian Bale's wife. I was sympathetic to Scarlett Johansson's character. Mm-hmm. I was even sympathetic to Michael Kane's character yeah. in this, who's who kind of plays the. Um, He's innocent financer, like, a, he's like he's like a producer basically yeah. um, for these shows um, but he's he's having to see his friend go mad basically yeah. trying to figure this trick out so phenomenal film uh, Nolan gets great performances out of everybody yep definitely watch that film so then um, after Dark Knight he made inception inception which
1: I think is a controversial movie
0: for a lot of people uh, I it's one of
1: my favorite in Nolan's catalog. Um, we will spoil this one cause it's impossible to not to talk about this movie without spoiling it. Um, I have my own theory about what happens in it, but this is one of, I think the best examples of how Nolan plays with time, how he plays with reality and oh yeah, definitely recommend. how he, he pieces a story together in so many different ways and then brings them back to, to together right at the very end.
0: But, the, and it's cool cause these, there are three different movies in one here are four different movies. Right. There's four different scenes and set pieces. So, um, tell us about inception. So
1: I'll I'll go through it. So basically there's, uh, in, in this kind of different reality, um, there's this ability to hijack into, to get into somebody else's dreams and to, uh, basically change how they think about things. Um, and what, what, uh, and that's Leonardo DiCaprio's character. They were part of some like military study and they are they have this technology that allows them to, to tap into people's subconscious through their dreams. Um, as they dive down deeper into, into someone's subconscious, like time starts to slow down and it, it goes into this weird uh, time distillation. I don't know if I'm using yeah. the word right. But basically like time slows down the further and further you go into. And what this... What you end up finding out is that Leonardo DiCaprio's character uh, Cobb, um, he basically plays this character that has made some mistakes in his past, can't go home to his children because uh, he's basically blamed for the death of his for the death of his wife. They see it as he murdered his wife, so he's been on the run in Europe um, and around the world. He gets hired by um, uh, a Japanese businessman to basically. Manipulate someone's dreams to implant uh, a dream, which called Inception. Which is why it's called Inception. He's hired to, instead of retrieving information for someone's dream, which is what they normally do, they go in and they can, they they want him to plan it. It's most of the people on um, Leonardo DiCaprio's team, which includes Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tom Hardy. You start Nolan to Page. you start to see characters repeat themselves in Nolan's films. Um, even before this, you know, with the prestige and having Christian Bale, um, but anyways, uh, this businessman wants him to go change, uh, change, I- implant this idea, uh, into Killian Murphy's, uh, character who his father's about to die. He has a strange relationship with him. And basically he's going to inherit this gigantic oil conglomerate corporation. And what, what the Japanese businessman, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, even the actor's name Ken want to talk. Yeah.
0: Hobby is the, is the
1: what actor? he, what he wants Killian Murphy Saito. to do Saito. Yeah. He, he wants Killian Murphy's character to split up his business. So that way he can get a foothold in some of the different markets. It's a, it's a, it's a weird, like business espionage kind of thing. And they agree to it because Saito says to Cobb's character, I can get rid of what's the problems that are stopping you from going home he knows a way to do it. Um, the, the crazy part about this is once they actually agree to do it, they build their team, they find different characters. He has to go to his, uh, Michael Caine's, his father-in-law, right? So he has to go to his father-in-law and find someone that, find an architect that is, that can create a, a new way. Like basically when they, when they go into the dreams, they create new realities Right for the person to exist in, and I know I'm I'm scattered talking about this, but that's how
0: crazy this movie is. Um, so as so, and it's again, people do not like this movie because it is so confusing. It is very confusing, but it's not. I mean, I don't think it's that confusing. Yeah, if you just listen and follow along, yeah, it's a very interesting way to think about something. Yes, about dreaming. Period. Like what? Are, what are dreams? Right. right. So, um. So Ellen Page plays this character named
1: Ariadne. Ariadne, who which is a really cool name, by the way. It is, and it goes into mythology. Um, so Ariadne basically is an architect. She's like the best architect in Michael Caine's class, and Cobb needs her to build this kind of weird puzzle maze kind of thing so that they can keep uh, Killian Murphy's character unaware that this is a dream because once they go, they go into one layer of dream – then they they have to convince him that that's not a dream and take him a step further, and so as time as they do this, time is is separating itself even more. So as they go into the third level, it's like uh, if if you have an hour, like uh, uh, I want to say, an hour in the third level is like a minute. In the second less, level. Like seconds. It's like seconds. And man. then like a second in reality. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So
0: it, it's just. So the further just, you go down, the longer time is. Exactly. The, the longer you stay there and the less it is actually in reality. And the, the problem that you have is that as you die
1: in the different realities, like it affects you going back up like it affects you as
0: you or as you get hurt it'll affect you as you go back up yeah so it's so like stream of consciousness basically the way the only way they can stay asleep for that long right. is they have to take drugs right to keep them asleep in the concoction for a 10 hour because they're on a 10 hour flight so in order to actually stay asleep for 10 hours and not wake up through the shifting and all that they have yeah. to brew this concoction which means they cannot they they can't like uh, they can't die because normally you die you just wake up right that's that's the rule but right. in here you're so far down in the dream and you're so under that it you won't wake up you go into something called limbo which is basically like your mind recedes back into nothingness right just blank consciousness and Nolan does this really good job of creating
1: this limbo where like you're lost in the ocean and you you come up on shore like into this weird reality where things are kind of falling apart and you don't really know. When or where you're at, like it, it's this weird, like dreamscape, yeah. that is just trapped in your that you're well, it's, trapped interesting, in. it's
0: interesting enough. You're not actually trapped. See, if you think about it, because when he was there, Saito was there, yeah, and so they're still connected, yeah. but were they only because they were connected, or is this place an actual place that exists consciously, like unconsciously, whatever, but it's a shared consciousness? I think it's a everybody. shared consciousness. That's what, that's yeah. what I really think it's a shared consciousness because yeah. what it says is like. It's people's other like broken dreams or broken, whatever the basically the leftovers are in limbo that people have left there before.
1: And so one of the things that I this is probably one of the more controversial parts of this movie um, is as you go deeper and deeper, you have what's called a totem. And you're the only one that knows like you can let other people see the totem, but you're the only one that knows the weight, how it feels different things like that. You never want to hand somebody else your totem because once you go into different the different levels of subconscious or this, these dream worlds. You're basically worlds, going into
0: other different realities, right? Created you, by somebody else.
1: The longer you're there, the the less likely you
0: are to remember that you're not in reality. Yeah. You start right? questioning reality. Like, is this reality? Because right. did you talk about what happened? I didn't hear because I was dealing with that. But did you talk about what happened? Why his wife, like what happened with him and his wife? No, I didn't. So I'm gonna spoil it because it's so important. So what the reason that Cobb knows this, who is who's Leonardo DiCaprio's character, is because him and his wife were testing out this system, and they went into limbo, which is un you know unstreamed consciousness, whatever, right. where they can build and do it whatever they want. They were there for like 50, 60 years. Yeah. But they was lived. Only, they lived. They a lived a lifetime. Life. Life. But it was only a couple hours. Yeah. And at one point while they were living there for 56 years his wife just felt like it was reality Yeah. in that they they this is where they're supposed to be and that's it and he had to convince her hey we have to leave because we have kids Your kids, right and so the, the he incepted her and made her believe yeah. that i have to kill myself so that i can get back to reality right. the problem was is that thought stayed even in reality and so she thought this is also a dream and this is also not reality. And so she wanted to kill herself to go to reality, to be with her real kids. And it just really affected her life. And so that, that really plays a lot with your head of like, what is reality and what does it mean? And you know, we were talking about it last episode about beaming stuff into your brain and not knowing what, what is true and what is not. And so he plays a lot with with reality in this, in this movie. And so you have these totems and you know,
1: um, they're They're supposed to take you back. They're supposed to give you some sort of anchor into what the real world is. And um, at the end of it, you know, they get the, basically, they're successful in their mission. They convince Killian Murphy to do what he what um Saito wanted wanted to do. And at the end of it, Cobb is allowed to go back home. But in true Nolan fashion, what Cobb does is as he's about about to walk to see his children, uh, Cobb, Leonardo DiCaprio's character spins this top, this kind of double-sided top. And the, the camera goes from looking at the kind of like this kind of blurred out, um, vision of his children and Leonardo DiCaprio kind of walks out there and you see the totem
0: and it's spinning. It kind of wobbles and then it cuts to black. Yeah. It's, and, interestingly enough, like, uh, in Prestige, there was no open ending, no, like it was pretty clear yeah. what happened, right? Yeah. Okay, um, and that's one of the only movies he's made where it's pretty clear yeah. what happened, except for maybe Insomnia. Memento
1: is is pretty clear.
0: No, it's still open, yeah. man. It's it still sense. open. Like, what really happened, or what yeah. what's really going on? Yeah. Like, who? How, you know, the mur- the murder mystery is never really solved, right? They talk about it, and but is that the truth? That's the thing. Yeah, you don't know for sure if that's the truth. And the same thing here is like, there was a point where Mal, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's wife. In the limbo area, yeah, is talking to him. Yeah. And obviously this is not his wife. I mean, obviously. I mean, we think it's, it's obvious. It's a ghost of his wife it's, that's it's trapped his, in his brain. It's his memory of his guilt and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Exactly. But she's telling him, hey, do you really think you're in reality right now? Yeah. Do you really think you're running away from these shadowy agents? And he, she starts explaining all this stuff that's happening to him as like, Do you really think this is real? Yeah. Like you're running away and you're scared and you're paranoid? Obviously, you've not been in reality for a long time. And so you're like, Wow! Did he ever? Is he in it, the whole time? It's like, is he dreaming the whole time? Is he in this right limbo area? You're not sure, and you're never sure. Right? It, it brings so much doubt in, into it. So,
1: um, so I, you never know what reality he's in. Now, I have a theory. I have a theory, and this isn't documented anywhere. Uh, a lot of people disagree with me on this. Um, I believe that. So Cobb learns inception from Michael Caine's character, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he learns this technology that that's where they get some started. Yeah, he, he, he taught it to him. Michael Caine was, I can't remember his, his character's name either, but basically he was part of like the test group that, yeah. that led them to being able to do this and have the equipment to do it. So Cobb wants to go back home, but he feels like he can't because he's going to get, he's going to get arrested and he'll either way he's not going to see his kids. Michael kane, uh, he, his character wants Cobb to go back home because he's like, you have a family, you have kids that you need to go see. You need to get past this. You need to be stop being selfish and go home. So I believe that his character is performing inception on Cobb. And I know that's far fetched, Yeah, but the, the reason being is because of the, of what Christopher Nolan did in choosing the character's. Uh, choosing the names of, his, of characters. So Mal, his wife, is obviously the point of evil, right? Yeah, it's the point bad. of contention. Mal. Right. Mal, it translates Spanish to bad. bad. right? Ariadne. Now, this is the one that, that kind of made me think about this. So Cobb only meets Ariadne through Michael Caine's character. Correct. Right. Ariadne's name in Greek mythology, she's the one that led Theseus through the labyrinth. Correct. Okay. In order for Cobb to go home, he had to go through this labyrinth of sorts, in order to get past the fact of what what happened, what transpired between him and his wife. And going through the levels, I feel like he needed a maze builder. He needed someone that was going to be able to build this maze that no one had ever seen before that he wouldn't know about, right? But Ariadne being in, in, her, in her namesake, right? She's the one that chooses to go further than anybody ever did and help him figure out how to get through this maze, how to reach how to reach the end of it and then proving that that she he could get through it making it okay for him to go back home maybe i mean that's that's a good theory it's a good theory
0: i honestly think he's he's been in limbo this whole time maybe like he's never he's never gotten out i
1: think i i will stand strong and if i christopher nolan will probably never answer this question for me even if i run into him
0: if you're listening mr (laughs) nolan mr nolan Please let us know. But he he's, he's did several interviews where he doesn't talk about he's it. He's never going to talk about it. Because it's good, right. because that's what you want. You want people right. like having their own theories about this. Yeah. Hey, what is this? Because some people think there's a certain point right. where it then only becomes a dream. Some right. people think it's like, this is what happened. It says right. this has happened. This is what it is. But there's certain things like him going through the buildings and getting stuck and closer and closer because right. it happens in dreams. So there's a lot of themes that happen in dreams normally right. that happen in the movie. And you're like, wait, is this I think the hard part
1: is to tell where the dream begins.
0: I think the whole thing is a dream. That's the thing. I think the whole movie, unfortunately, which people don't like that, but in this sense, it is really good where he is. Because there's one part in the movie where they go to see those people that are perpetually dreaming. Yeah. Or they go there and spend a lot of time dreaming. Yeah. Spend most of their life in the dream. Yeah. To get over reality. Yeah. And so I don't know if the thing with his wife really happened. I'm pretty sure it did actually. Or maybe she's stuck in limbo forever, brain dead, something like that. And he's escaping reality by doing this adventure stuff and he feels guilty and all this stuff and so he spends most of his time there in in unreality basically and so all this stuff that's happening is not really happening it's just him getting away from reality in life so anyway very good movie though go see it go see it even if it doesn't matter let us know what you think amazing because even spoiling this movie doesn't mean anything because people were like what i don't understand all right we got
1: two more movies on this list and the last one we've talked about pretty heavily yeah um so i think the next
0: one let's just talk you know what we're gonna skip ahead we're gonna talk about dunkirk <laughs> real quick
1: well that's the one i was saying that we've talked about pretty heavily yeah
0: so we don't i don't even need to talk about dunkirk okay it was we talked we did to go watch we've go talked about it in one multiple of our, episodes we will put the link in the podcast of when rick reviewed this movie yeah he said it was very good again playing with time yeah playing with a little bit of reality but it's a historical yeah. thing that happened so we can't play too much reality but and if you're interested in like how
1: sound manipulates how you watch a movie. Um, this is the the one that I feel like is most prominent, but Christopher Nolan uses this uh, technique called the shepherd's tone, mm-hmm. where you have this either ascending or descending tone. You have you basically have um, one tone in three different octaves um, that are, like if you have the one that you your source tone is in the middle, then you have an octave below and an octave above it, and they're playing at the same time, and it, what it creates is like your brain can only handle two of them and it creates this sense of Will it explode <laughs> it just ignores oh. and, it, and it it creates this tone that it has a beginning and ending but it sounds like it's either constantly ascending or constantly descending and he uses this this um technique throughout the majority of his movies uh, it's very subtle but in dunkirk it is the most prominent and it adds so much to the movie
0: i want to i can't so, wait to see this movie
1: go see it it's great i had if if you've listened to our older episodes, you know I had no desire to see it. I ended up seeing it and loved it, and it was probably one of my
0: favorite movies of last year. I think this next movie is hotly contested. Yeah, Jose doesn't like it. Inter- okay, well, we'll <laughs> find, we're about to find out why. Interstellar. Yes. Okay, it's a 2014 movie. Space epic. I thought this movie looked so awesome, and I was like, it's a Nolan film. I hadn't had one in too long, and I was like, this is going to be great, man. Started Matthew McConaughey, which is not a dig because that's good. Anne Hathaway, uh, Jessica Chastain, Casey Affleck. Ellen Burson, John Lithgow and Michael Caine. I think Michael Caine has been in almost every yeah. single one of his films. The only other than Memento ever since Batman, he's been in all of them. The only actor that I was hesitant about was Matthew McConaughey. He did a great job. Though. He did he do did a great a job. He time. really did. Um, so Rick, I'm going to, since you love this movie, I'm definitely going to let you talk about the, 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 pr- the synopsis. First
1: okay. So this movie takes place in the future. Um, it basically the, the earth is not pro- like we can't produce food anymore, right? Like we're become overpopulated We've done so much bad to the earth, whether it's, you know, naturally going to happen or we've pumped so many chemicals in the ground or or ripped so many natural resources out of the ground that basically we can't grow anything. And there's this kind of like pestilence going around where like crops are just dying left and right. The last thing they can grow is corn. But then all those start basically um, just start dying off like nothing is being Um, it's very
0: dusty in that future. It's
1: very dusty. Like there's like these gigantic sandstorms that happen all the time. Um, and so basically it's gotten to the point where society like defunded NASA. Okay. We're not that far from that guys. Uh, Basically NASA has been defunded. Science is no longer, or like space exploration is no longer like a valid, uh, use of, of funds. So NASA goes underground in the midst uh, or like in the beginning of the story. Um, Basically, Matthew McConaughey stumbles upon like
0: a riveting film, doesn't it? it?
1: He basically stumbles upon NASA, and he runs into uh, Tars, which is the like the robot, the, robot, the yeah. robot companion that follows them throughout this movie. And is Tars is great; he's one of the best comedic elements in this movie. Oh yeah, um, and one of the like he's just a voice actor; he's this weird like rectangular robot, but he adds so much to the film. Uh, probably one of my favorite characters. And basically, they say. We need to leave Earth. We need to go to somewhere else. Someone, they don't know who, has basically shown them in space there's a wormhole not that far from Jupiter or Saturn.
0: I think it's Saturn. Yeah,
1: I think it's Saturn. Basically, someone placed it there for them to go through and find It just appeared. It wasn't there it it just before. Appeared. It just appeared, right. yeah. Right, it just appeared. So it's been it's been placed there. And basically their theory is, let's go to the wormhole, get us away from our solar system, and we'll find another place to live, another, another habitable planet. Um, it's it's a shot in the dark, but, you know, it's kind of humanity's last effort. They send Matthew McConaughey and a couple of other uh, astronauts slash scientists into this wormhole in efforts to find a new new planet to live on. They've narrowed it down to like they've sent probes and different things like that, and they've narrowed it down to like four or five different possibilities. Uh, The problem is that some of these possibilities are near like a black hole and not good. Um, And in hopes that if they find a place to go to uh, a new planet, they can then take the rest of humanity in this gigantic space station and take them through the wormhole and find basically re repopulate. Yeah. Um, There's kind of a contingency plan where if, If they're not successful or if they feel like no one else can come back, they've brought a bunch of uh, fertilized eggs that have been frozen uh, that they can basically repopulate humanity on wherever they go. Um, You end up running, you know, this crew of, you know, astronauts and Matthew McConaughey, who is a who is a farmer. He used to be a pilot uh, for the Air Force.
0: So it's kind of like a Armageddon scenario. It is,
1: but much better. They're not drilling on an asteroid. Um, anyways, uh, as the you know the thing with Nolan as he always plays with time is as they travel through the wormhole, as they get further away from Earth, time time passes. You know it it stands still for them, uh, but it passes passes for everyone on Earth. So they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of time to play with. Um, and then as they get into these other planets, as they get into places that are closer to warm uh black holes or or further away from it time then still starts to change for everybody they have to leave one person on a space station once they go through the wormhole they go to another planet and he's been they've been gone for what 10 years yeah yeah you know and so the guy that they left on the space station has aged significantly 10 years and the crazy thing about it too is like as they're getting to these other planets they're realizing that the people that went before them the astronauts went before them've only been gone for like a few minutes or a couple hours like nothing significant to where like oh, on earth this person's been gone for like three or four years they've only they literally just landed yeah. not too long ago you end up running into matt damon who you think who, who i didn't even
0: know was in this movie no man. no one did it was such a good no cameo one did.
1: you're like hey that's matt damon and uh you end up running into him and you're thinking like oh great like he survived
0: and then he goes bad He's crazy. Well, he's crazy. Yeah, he's right? crazy. He, goes, he goes insane. Like he, he's been. Well, he lured them. So basically, they're trying to find a habitable, a habitable place. Yeah, and he says, "Hey, this is habitable. I need he, help." He leaves a beacon open yeah. to come get help. But it's definitely not habitable. Right, and it's like I forgot what it like in the in the in the sun. It's like scorching. Right. So right? in the sun, it's
1: scorching, and then outside the sun, it's like super freezing. Super freezing. Um, but basically, what what he's he wants to be the hero of this story, and he basically lures them there. And find it, he's trying to manipulate the situation to where he can go back. Uh, he can go back and say, like, hey, everybody, I saved the, uh, the day. Yeah. yeah,
0: And it doesn't work out too well for him. No. So. This is the controversial part. Yeah. This, this is, is the controversial time, Let's get part. to the. It's, a, it's a, like, honestly, here's my thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have a problem, a big problem with this movie. Saying that, yeah. you should still watch this film. You should still watch it. Because it is a beautiful movie. It is. It is very interesting. Yeah. Very, it's good debate. And yeah. honestly, um, what's his name? Uh, Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson said a lot of the things he's talking about in this movie are legit scientific yeah. theories. So,
1: and one of the things to keep in mind is that this movie goes from being very good science, like science fiction based off science fact mm-hmm.
0: to pure science fiction. Time travel. To time travel. It goes where, directly to time travel. And if you know, if you watched episode seven, or if you listen to episode seven, which is about time travel, you would know eh, it's a big no no for me. <laughs> so um,
1: they basically decide they have one last effort. They basically fly into a black hole. And in the process of that, they fly into a black hole and end up at a bookshelf. They end up in this oh, thing. I'm sorry, infinite bookshelf. They end up in this thing called a Tesseract. Which Infinite books allows stars. Matthew McConaughey to communicate with his daughter in a way young. that you basically saw from the very beginning, mm-hmm. which is Nolan
0: kind of bringing things so back he together. the whole thing. I'm just saying, <laughs> right? I'm yeah. not saying anything that's wrong. He started the whole thing, which makes no sense. Because he knew his daughter was going to be the one that had to but figure because it out. It, but okay, hold on. But there has to be a beginning point. That's the problem. Yeah. He started the whole thing. Well, how did, so my head is already exploding. It's dumb. It's dumb and should not have been done that way. Sorry. the Dumb. I see him. He's in the bookshelf moving stuff, moving yeah. books and making stuff in the dust. And I'm like, why is this just so good? This movie was so good up until this point. I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated with this movie. I wanted to like it so much. Yeah. And I have not seen it since. I have not watched this movie since. In the I probably end, should watch it again.
1: You know, I'm not even going to say the ending i not even going to say don't, don't, because that's
0: no. even worse. Yeah. That's even worse. It gets even worse. And it had so much promise. But again, it was Nolan, and he did a great job. I mean, the, the film was beautiful. He got a lot of good at uh, the actors. Just that one choice of putting time travel in there. Go see this movie. Rent it. Time travel. Go watch it. You're my nemesis. Time travel. <laughs> Jose hates time. I do hate time travel. I mean, yeah. some time time manipulation is cool. Yeah. And that was like because when he was, you know, when they're, when they go down onto the, the yeah. they, they, basically they're, they're going onto this one planet next to a black hole. Yeah. And they said, we cannot spend too much time down there because every second that we're there, it's like hours yeah. that we're there. So if we spend some time, they end up being like 10 years, yeah. right? As they come back. And so that was really interesting to think about that, yeah. you know, and, and what implications that meant back home because they're already playing with time flying out here in yeah. the speed that they're going. because his his daughter he's communicating with goes from being a young girl to being a young lady who works for NASA right. in the span of this movie too. So anyway, it's not a bad film. I just have a problem with time travel. If you don't have a problem with time travel, watch it. Watch the movie. Yeah. It's good. So, uh that was Nolan. I I again, I just want to say I love Nolan's films. They're great because they they get you talking. And if a if a, if a director makes a film it inspires and you don't discussion. talk about it and you don't talk about it, it's I don't think it was a good movie. Yeah. I mean, just if it's just something I just want like Michael Bay. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I talk about is downing his movies. I never like... I never think, man, like Armageddon... Too I'm many not, lens I'm, flares. I'm, huh? Too many lens flares and slow-mo uh, shots of girls running. Well, uh, Abrams has lens flares, yeah. too, man. But, um, so like Armageddon. I'm not sitting here having a debate about Armageddon and, you know, the coolness and the, the play with anything. I'm just like, they were a bunch of rednecks. that went on a yeah. thing and drilled a hole. Oh, cool. Um, so I really like Nolan, the way that he plays with time, plays with uh, reality, and gets... You thinking about the motivations of characters. Yep. So, yeah, awesome. Well, that's all of our lists that's, for, yeah, for that's, Nolan. That's Nolan. I hope
1: you guys enjoyed this episode. It's a bit different from what we normally do, but let us know what your favorite Christopher Nolan movie is. Let us know if you've never seen one. Uh, and I would say probably
0: where, they, where should they start if they've never seen a Christian Nolan movie? Start with Memento. Just go yeah. with a good. It, our Inception, Inception, and Memento. I'd Pres- say Prestige. Inception, oh Memento, so Prestige. Hard. It's so hard. I'd say those three. And you know what? If Honestly, uh, forget Memento because that, I mean, it's a good, it's a really good movie, but Prestige. it might be too much. Prestige or, or Inception. Yeah. I think there's really too yeah. strong. I mean, strong movies from him and yeah. really get his essence in there. I feel
1: like those are the good, like, polar, op- like the the two different types of movies he's doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hey, drop us a line. It's going to get stupid at gmail.com. That's our email. Send us an email about what you think about any of the films we discussed. If you have a little more insight into uh, the films that we kind of glossed over because we haven't really seen them, yeah. like Insomnia or following, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll put, post it out. Uh, you can tweet us at IGTGS Show. That's at IGTGS Show. Let us know what you thought. Hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's going to get stupid or
1: visit our website at www.itsgoingtogetstupid.com. going to
0: get Yeah, let us know if you liked this kind of compendium of somebody's work. We want to do, you know, other directors, definitely, but also actors. We want to do some video games series. We're talking about video games. There's a couple of video yeah,
1: games I want to talk to. And, definitely. And there's I think there's something happening in the video game industry that I definitely want to uh, talk about um along the lines of not having so much of
0: a story dun 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 so we'll we'll probably talk about that in the next episode foreshadowing everybody anyway uh i'm jose i'm richard and y'all have a good day